Did you turn me on? Nope, you don't turn me on. My wife turns me on. <laughs> I, was set, <laughs> I was setting you up, Chris. I took it off intentionally. I love seeing these sound people sweat back there when I do that. And he's like, <gasps> and I'm like, I just wanted to make a joke that my wife turns me on and not you. Actually, I'm serious, but I was joking with you. So, <laughs> Well, Joliet Church of the Nazarene, man, it's good to be here this morning. And I walked in and I couldn't tell who the pastor is or was or where he or she is. And uh, that's good and I know who it is. And now I know who the pastor's spouse is. There's only one person brave enough to sit next to the pastor. So that has to be you. Good job. Good to be here with you. Katie, can you believe it? You were in Trinidad now we're in Juliet. Yeah, Katie and Kathy, where is she at? Somewhere inside here. Kathy, yeah, Kathy across there. They were in Trinidad, and so we're thrilled to be here with you this morning at Juliet Church of the Nazarene. We've been here, there, and everywhere thus far, and here we are this morning. So good to be with you. We've been working with the theme. Now, by the way, this is Caribbean time, so we're going to be here until 2.30, probably 3. <laughs> I'm hearing some nervous laughs out there somewhere. <laughs> if you're here that time, I'll be gone. It's okay if you stay. <laughs> We're dealing with the theme, Brilliant Living, and um, that's what we've been exploring on this tour, as we believe God has given us a message, and you sang some of it this morning about light, and uh, we're dealing with let your light shine and be the light, and I'm speaking on brilliant living. Let us pray, shall we? Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we come to you this morning. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ has appeared unto all persons, teaching us to say no to ungodliness and yes to godliness. And Because of the grace of God, we are who we are this morning. We could have been possibly somewhere on the streets doing drugs, living in brokenness, not sure what next, but because you reached down and plucked us out of darkness we are who we are, but by the grace of God. And Father, my prayer this morning is that you will remind us that we are debtors of the gospel of this wonderful Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Open our hearts this morning in your presence. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O God, my strength and my redeemer. Be magnified now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 through... Oh, Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16. That's what we're dealing with this morning. Now, you've got to be careful. Let me tell you this really quickly. Don't put me on time yet. There's a wedding tradition in one country in which usually at the wedding reception, the bride is given scripture promises written on slips of paper. In this one wedding, an elderly gentleman wrote a scripture promise on a slip of paper, made his way up to the young bride and gave it to her, made his way back to his seat, waited for the time when she would open that slip of paper and read what was written on it. Well, she did, but there was one problem. The young bride began to cry. And you and I know it's not a good thing to make a bride cry on her wedding day. So he carefully made his way up to her and inquired of her, my dear, did I do something to make you cry? And she, in her weeping voice, said to him, yes, you did. And she handed him the paper. 
He opened it and looked at it and realized what she had done. He gave her to read as a scripture promise. First John 4, 18, which says, Perfect love casts out all fear. She made a mistake and read John 4, 18, which says, You've got five husbands and the one you now have is not yours. So, uh, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> So to be sure we have the correct scripture, it is Matthew 5, 14 through 16, okay? Well, you've done it before. You've played a really good game of hide and seek. You ran and hid in the dark, particularly nighttime. It's the best time to play hide and seek, so you make it as difficultly impossible, however you want to do it, so that the person who comes looking never is able to find those who run hiding. A few years ago, Barb and I were playing hide-and-seek with our children. They were younger then, up at Grandma and Grandpa's place in Canada, Alberta. Game was going very good until we discovered one of them disappeared. So we called everywhere in the house, the bedrooms, the kitchen, the living room, the dining room, everywhere, garage, basement, around the yard, no response. And so we called the police, which is the best thing to do if you perceive or think that uh, a child is missing. Well, they came over at Grandma and Grandpa's place. I was talking to them. The one taking the statements, he was asking me various questions, and he was about to ask me, when last did you see? And as soon as he said see, a head popped up in the large living room window visible for all to see. It was the missing child. He was so soundly asleep, he did not hear us calling him. And it was embarrassing to tell the officer, there he is, and thank God he laughed it off and was on his way. Well, I have a proposition for us this morning, and it is this. The church does not have a mission. The God of mission has a church. And if our lights shine brilliantly, the darkness of this world will cease to exist. I'm also working with what I call a fallen condition focus, and it is this. All persons are born in sin. Amen? Now, if I say something good, can you say amen? amen? All right. And if you think I'm saying something great, can you say praise the Lord? And if you think I'm in trouble, can you say help him, Lord? <laughs> All right. There you go. All persons are born in darkness. Amen? amen. All right. Now we got you. Well, what does this mean for Christian living? First of all, let me suggest that uh, as we unpack this idea of brilliant living, that Christians are not hidden lanterns. The little illustration about God seeking, uh, us seeking our son and not being able to find him does have significance for this message in that we tend to believe that when we run and hide that God cannot find us. There is no dark place in this world that anyone can find himself or herself that God is not able to find where they are at and reach down to them in their darkness. We are never, ever lost from Almighty God. And he is the seeking, searching God, the originator of missions, which is why I said the church does not have a mission, but the God of mission has a church whom he desires to use. Well, many times we think we can't be found. When we consider that Christians are not hidden lanterns, we have to consider that we have what I call a dutiful task. You are the light of the world. 
Now, it is significant that in this context, God does not say he is the light of the world. He says, you are, I am, we are the light of the world. That means we have a dutiful task to shine our lights in darkened places wherever men and women may be found. We have to shine brilliantly, dutifully. This young child reciting a Christmas play, she had her lines well laid down, got up there on the night of the performance, looked the crowd square on in the face and eyes, was about to say her lines, and she completely drew a blank. Her mom was very anxious. She was sitting in the front row, so she said to her daughter, Dear, you remember the lines, don't you? She said, No, mom, I can't remember them. Of course, the young congregation is hearing the exchange and laughing. You know how Christmas plays out with kids and all that. She said, okay, dear, it's okay. I will help you. Just say, I am the light of the world. Well, the little girl smiled. She got her confidence back, looked the audience square on again, and said, my mom is the light of the world. <laughs> you know, that's not so bad. It's funny. I love it because it, it really does get the picture of what we're getting at is that we're all called to be lights of God to men and women regardless of where they may be. The mind-blowing, twisting statement is that the church does not have a mission, but the God of mission has a church. This means we do not do what we want to do, but we find out what does God want done. At Caribbean Nazarene College, your college, where we're situated, we've discovered over the years, and I've done all kinds of fancy stuff as quality systems manager and academic dean working on vision and mission, strategic plans and whatever else, but we've discovered every time we run ahead of God, we run around like chickens with our heads chopped off. We're not sure where we're landing or what's going on, but when we stop, take time to pray, seek God's face, find out what is the mission of God, when we fall in line with that mission, we discovered God always sends resources, physical, human, financial, and otherwise, because God always facilitates the movement of his mission. Amen? We have a dutiful task. Not only that, but we have a dazzling task this morning. Let your light so shine. A city on a hill cannot be hid. This means you and I serve a definitive purpose in the kingdom of God. What is the purpose of God's church? I'm moving on, point number two this morning. Christians are not only not hidden lanterns, but Christians are helpful in living. Verse 15. Now, helpful Christians do not become engaged in what I call pitiable living. Neither do we light a lamp and put it under a bowl or a bushel, if you're reading the KJV or in a box or any other hidden space. See, we're not deplorable, sad, sorry, ignorant people who hang our heads in shame and we hunch our shoulders over and at best we offer what I called just a muffled whimper that represents the kingdom of God. 
No, rather, as the people of God, we hold our heads high. We lift our shoulders and we face the darkness square on because we understand and realize that we've got a mission and a message that makes a difference in the lives of men and women. So we face the darkness of broken homes and drugs and families and whatever because we believe the mission and message of God is transformative in families, in individuals, in communities, in churches because God's light shines brilliantly Darkness is always taken care of. Do you know why? Light trumps darkness every time. Amen. Well, can you imagine this? It's mission time, so you know I have to give you some kind of a mission story, okay? Well, can you imagine you're living at Caribbean Nazarene College, your college? Now, now, Katie and Caitlin, they understand it's forested. 32 acres of land. You've got 32 acres of land in Trinidad. Did you know that? We would love for you to come and take care of your land sometime. A work and witness trip would be a wonderful thing. And I know when you can come. You see January and February when it's blistering and cold here, right here? You can come to the Caribbean, enjoy the beach, have some fun. You will work, but you will have some fun. You'll get some warmth and then you can send pictures back to say, wow, we're suffering down here. <laughs> Think of coming. Well, I'm outside your house that was built with your alabaster funds. You folks do alabaster funds, right? Guess what? Barbara and I and our family, we live in a house that was built with your alabaster funds. Well, I was on your college, on your buildings outside your house, when I heard a noise in one of the large trees outside, and I thought, ooh. So I stopped what I was doing. I stopped to see a branch that was about to come down. But it wasn't a branch. Guess what it was? Anybody wants to guess? That's right. A snake fell out of the tree. And you can imagine excitement. Snake! I shouted. So I ran and I got a piece of wood. Purple heart wood. It's from one of those Caribbean countries on the South American continent, Guyana. Oh, by the way, if you've got 6,000 U.S. dollars under a mattress, a pillow, somewhere invested in some bank, you are a millionaire in Guyana. Sorry, Pastor, you just lost your entire congregation. They're going to Guyana. <laughs> well, I was outside your house. I got a piece of purple heart because my intention is to kill this snake. So I ran him down, hit him on the head, hit him on the head, make sure he's dead. It's the best way to kill a snake and make sure you get the head. It's unbelievable what a snake can do if you do not take care of the head. So I hit him on the head to make sure he's dead because the best snake is a dead snake. Amen. No, 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 you got it wrong. That's a hallelujah. Help them, Lord. <laughs> Snake stories, what am I saying? Well, could you imagine you're on 32 acres of land. It's nighttime. God takes away the moon, the stars. There is no sunlight. There is no man-made light. A snake falls out of the tree. This silly missionary picks up a piece of wood to run down the snake in the dark. Can you imagine what would happen? Severe disadvantage. But in the broad daylight, physically speaking, that snake did not stand a chance. It is the same in the spiritual realm of God because we are the light of God. 
We are called to face mean things and bad things and evil things and dark things because dark things can happen, bad things can happen in the dark. But when we run there, we discover that the light of God always trumps darkness every time. And in the revelatory light of God, all darkness is removed so that sin, evil, Satan, the enemy does not stand a chance against the onslaught of God's people because we are taking back the darkness. God is able to shine through you and I. Amen. Amen. Well, not only do we not get engaged in pitiable living, but we, do, we get engaged in purposeful living. Instead of putting it under a bowl or a bushel, we take that light, we put it on a stand so that it gives light to everyone who is in the house. This has been the significant aspect of our time at Caribbean Nazarene College. The satisfaction and the joy of dealing with young men and women, faculty and staff. Our students, as you discovered, Katie, hang out at our place on Sundays in particular. After church, they stay. They come for roast beef and gravy, potatoes, salad, macaroni pie, peas, beans, whatever we've got. And they come, they hang out there, and they stay literally into the evening. My wife would say sometimes anywhere between 2 to 26 students in our living room and dining room everywhere. They stay for a family time in the evening. And you may think, wow, that's so overwhelming on Sundays. I want my Nazarene nap. <laughs> Well, they stay and we have fun, and more often than not, in those times of movies, seriously, sometimes jokingly, but in those serious times when we watch heart-wrenching movies, discussions come out about abortion, promiscuity, homosexuality, phobias and fears, dreams and hopes and aspirations, talk about brokenness in terms of homes that they've come from. In those moments, we realize, look, though we've done a whole lot of Caribbean Nazarene College administratively and otherwise, we're not really there for pen and paper and pencil and only administrative duties because pen, paper, and pencil and buildings, they will not go to heaven. It is only people, and so we invest heavily in the lives of men and women, spending countless hours talking, giving financially wherever we can as we have and is available. We seek to pour our lives in these men and women, kisses, hugs, as the case may be. They hunger for mentors. They salivate in anticipation of some godly person coming into their life to offer them hope and encouragement and wisdom and guidance and love. We run a marriage group once a month, six to 12 couples. It is so awesome. It's wonderful. We love it. It's called Manswell's Ministry, Triple M. We gather with these young men and women. They share. We share. We pour out. They pour out. We commit to love our spouses, our husbands and wives, and to treat our children properly. Do you know why most of these young men and women hang out at our place? Well, we've heard from them before. Just this semester gone, before we left, we've got a young lady from Guyana. She's like a daughter to us. Her boyfriend is like uh, our son. We've adopted them. Not legally, but we've adopted them. He's staying at your house right now and taking care of it. She said to me last semester, she said, Dr. Manswell, Dad, she calls me either. 
She said, when I first came to CNC, she will graduate next year. She said, I looked at you really carefully. She said, I looked at you and said to myself, okay, wow, what, what, a, what a person. She said, you know, I've been in your home and I've seen and I've observed and I've seen your dealings with your children and your wife. She said, I made a commitment at the very first semester when I saw you, when she said to me, I want to be just like you. And I thought, my God, help me. Because I can only ask anyone to follow me as I follow Christ. We do not know who may be looking at us, forming perceptions about this God that we serve. Our brilliant living and shining more so has a lot to do with simply who we are more so than what we may say. Because it speaks volumes as others look on in quiet anticipation reflection. God is good. Well, when we talk about being helpful, we mean helpfulness is taking time to talk to the machinist, the gas station attendant, the, the hardware store owner, the worker, the cashier, that seriously difficult church member. We still shine our lights brilliantly. Could I encourage us here at Julia Church of the Nazarene to listen attentively to God's plan Plan accordingly within the scope of God's plan. Execute aggressively the plan of God and let your lights shine. Well, it's still mission time, so I have another story for you. I got out of our room, I passed through the living room, dining room, passed the kitchen, went to where our washer and dryer located, and when I got around the corner, you would not believe what I saw on the floor. Somebody said snake. Nope, nice try. A nice, big, black tarantula. Oh, yeah, goosebumps time, eh? And I thought, goodness, I've got to stop him because I can't let him get under the washer and dryer. Because if he goes there, I'll never find him. They're so quick, they're sneaky, they disappear easily, hard to find. So I blocked off there, and I thought, good. Would you believe in broad daylight this creature disappeared right before my eyes? Just like they love to do. So I thought, well, he didn't go under the washer and dryer. Well, he didn't come towards me because I'll be like at least a foot in the air. He did, so that didn't happen. He didn't go there. That's the wall. He can't go there. Outside is the door to head outside, so he, can't, he did not go there. He's somewhere, so I moved our water distilling machine. No tarantula. I moved the trash can. No tarantula. And I thought, oh, I know where he is. He's in one of my shoes. Oh. So I called Jarek, the drummer boy here. Tarantula, he comes running. Where is it? I said, it's in my shoe. He said, no. I kind of stomped the shoe a little bit, shook the other one. No tarantula came out. He said, no, it isn't there. I wanted to say to him, if you're so confident that it's not in my shoe, how would you physically, literally like to walk a mile in your dad's shoe? <laughs> I said to him, now hang on. Go and bring my flashlight. I'll wait right here. He brought the flashlight. I turned it on. I pointed it in that shoe. And when the light shone in there, would you believe this thing transformed from this size down to a little ball rolled up hiding in the front of my shoe? Now, I don't kill these guys anymore, okay? I catch them and let them go into your 32 acres of land. Snakes 
and tarantulas that may be poisonous. Well, why in the world am I telling that? You see, that tarantula, he got away because he hid in a dark shoe. But when the light came on him, he was exposed. Light trumps darkness every time. We are not afraid of the darkness because we understand that when we run with the light of God in our lives, every bit of darkness becomes exposed and there is no darkness that is matched for the light of God. As a matter of fact, the Word of God tells us in the Old Testament, particularly, our God dwells in the darkness. He dwells in thick darkness and thick darkness surrounds him. So God is not afraid of the darkness. So he says to us, don't be afraid, run to the darkness. When we run there, the light of God illuminates everything and men and women are brought from the darkness into the light of God. Well, how do we accomplish this mammoth task? Last point this morning. Christians honor God in lifestyle. Some questions, what is our routine? What is our existence? What is your regime? What is our way of life? Our rectitude speaks to our assignment to be light. Rectitude yeah, I wanted to use the word rectitude because it speaks of righteousness, of holiness, of purity, of cleansing, of infilling of the Holy Spirit of God. Now, when we speak of rectitude or holiness or righteousness in connection with God in the Old Testament, one of the designations is our God is a different God. Different, yes, meaning he, he lives in us. He gives us an assignment, but he doesn't stay back. He goes with us. No, the gods really do that. So our God is a different God. It means when we go to the machinist and the gas station attendant and other people that we meet on a daily basis, they look at us and they say, wow, he, he's different. She, she is different. Wow. Because a different God makes us different, so we look different and we shine as different. Not weird or strange, just different. And so, you remember our thesis? The church does not have a mission, but the God of mission has a church. What God is really doing when he said, let your light shine, he means let your rectitude, your righteousness, your holiness shine forth brilliantly so that when they see you, they will know, wow, there is a different person. Now, guess what? When I graduated my BA, I was top of my class. That was great. I went to Nazarene Theological Seminary in the honors program. I enrolled. They said, you must maintain 3.5 at least over the three years. Well, I graduated with honors in the honors program. I went to Tribeca Nazarene University, did my doctorate in education, graduated with 3.896. That's not too bad, is it? Well, that's not what I'm talking about this morning. I'm talking about brilliant living where simple, ordinary little acts of kindness will make significant difference in the lives of men and women. It is saying to the cashier at Walmart, I see you're having a hard day. I hope you get off really soon. It is saying to our neighbors, can I help you cut your lawn? It is saying, maybe I can help you shovel your snow. It is saying to the neighbors, I see you having a little hard time with your children. Is there anything that I can do? It is unbelievable. How simple, different, our lights shine when we do little ordinary acts of kindness that would make a world of difference in the lives of men and women because they say, wow, people don't do that ordinarily. They are different. Let your light so shine 
before man. Talking about darkness, this little boy, his mom said to him, son, go into the darkness and get me the broom. He said, mom, I'm afraid of the dark. I can't go out there. She said, son, it's okay. You can go get me the broom. No problem. He said, but mom, I'm afraid of the dark. She said to him, do you remember what they taught you in church? Yes, mom, he said, they taught us Jesus is everywhere. She said, good, then you could get me the broom. Well, she thought things were looking good when he left her presence and went to the front door, cracked the door open, peeked out into the dark and said, Jesus, if you're out there, could you pass me the broom, please? <laughs> you know, I love that funny little story. You know why? Because it reminds me of me. I don't always want to face the darkness of this world. Do I really want to tell our young men and women who come from Bahamas North, Grenada, Barbados, Jamaica, Trinidad and Tobago, Suriname and other places, do I really want to tell them as you've trained, now go back into the darkness? Do I really want them to go back to Haiti and face the voodooism, darkness in Haiti? Do I really want to tell our students and do I really want to say I will face the darkness of Hinduism in Trinidad and Tobago particularly with its many gods and goddesses and deities and spirit worship and whatever have you? Do I really want to face the Baptist religion, not North American Baptist, not Southern Baptist, but Baptist religion with its gods and goddesses and deities, African religion? Do I really want to face that darkness? Do I want to face the darkness of broken homes and abortion and promiscuity? Do I really want to face that and yet still God says to me like that mother says to that little boy don't be afraid go into the dark what is the darkness of the Juliet area what may seem so dark that we're afraid and so we shrink back and pull back I'm simply here this morning to say that brilliant living the light of God in us allows us to go into those darkened places because we are not afraid of the dark Light trumps darkness every time. I'm going to close up now. Just this year gone before we came back, I, um, I went to a birthday party for one of our faculty members and uh, we got through the place where we were, drove through by the guard booth, went and parked up and God said to me, now go back and say hello to the people in the guard booth. There was a lady on duty. So I went back and I said, hello, good evening, how are you doing today? And she talked and smiled. And then I said, is it okay if we go up the steps and go to the party upstairs? She smiled again and said, yes, you may. Now, the truth is, I did not need to go back and say anything. But God kept saying to me, be nice. Let your light shine. Give her respect and authority in her place of service and work. Well, we got upstairs and went. By the time I reached there, God said to me, you just missed an opportunity to share Christ with that lady simply because you were being nice. And I thought, ooh, I missed that. A little bit later, I went downstairs. I was going to get our vehicle, go pick up, meet some friends. I got our vehicle and for some reason drove back into the compound, drove through past the guard booth area, and I heard someone say, hey, you. Well, it was another lady and Judy, which meant I should not have driven through now. But I went and parked up, came back, and I said good night, which is how you greet people when you're meeting them in Trinidad and Tobago. I said, oh, I'm so sorry. I know I should not have pulled in like that and parked up there. She said, no, you shouldn't, but it's okay. You can stay there. 
So we carried on a conversation, 30 minutes, found out about her, her children, what she was doing, education, what she hoped to do in life. 45 minutes or so later, Barb came down, party was over then. I asked that lady, would you like to accept Christ? She said, yes, I would. Right there, Barbara and I laid hands on her as she prayed, God, enter into my life. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. I said, do you have numbers? She said, yes. I said, good. There's a pastor living right next to you, Five Rivers Church of the Nazarene. He will give you a call. He called her. He told me how the call went, got her plugged into the kingdom of God. Not even a dark little security booth in Trinidad and Tobago is matched for the light of God. Light trumps darkness every time. My wife will be coming. We have a song. And as she's coming, our internet went down midnight, and I didn't like that. But I called the internet service provider. Technician came on the phone. It's 1 o'clock, and we still haven't solved the problem yet. And I'm thinking to myself, I should give him a piece of my mind. And then I thought, well, with what little I have left, if I give him a piece, I will have nothing left. So I better not do that. <laughs> and God is saying to me, be nice, which is what holiness people are supposed to be nice. Well, it's quarter to two, and finally the problem is solved. I said to him, sir, thank you very much for spending all this time on the phone working this problem out for me. I really appreciate it. Have a good night. And then his response to me was, have a good night, Dr. Manswell. And I thought, oh, somebody knows me, and I don't know to whom I'm speaking. Well, I discovered who he was, but he said to me, when the call came in and I heard your name, I said to all the others, I want to deal with him. Give him to me as the senior person I would love to work with him tonight. He said, I almost broke protocol by spending all that time on the phone with you because I wanted to be sure that you would have.